the spirit of regional fervor, blessed with the bounty of nature's beauty, populated by every creature of wonder, a crucible of cultures, people and history. If India is the golden bird, it is the bird's heart. With every heartbeat, this state transformed itself, its people and the country. These are the stories of those crucial heartbeats. These are the defining moments of Karnataka. The Riot Slides In the past few weeks, we have seen the farming community stand up against the three new laws enacted by the union government. As I speak and you hear this episode dated 18th of December 2020, there are farmers still in protest at the borders of Delhi. In today's episode, we are informed by the situations faced by the farmers in Karnataka and the history of the state with regards to farming and the movements by agriculture economist T.N. Prakash Kamadi, who has also held the position of Chairman of Karnataka Agricultural Prices Commission. Listen in. Hi sir and welcome to DH Radio. Thank you. It's our pleasure to have you on our show. Sir, my first question to you is, can you briefly chart us the situation of farmers in Karnataka before and after independence, until the 80s, uh, with a little detail on movements during the set period, sir? Uh, Karnataka finds uh, a unique uh, place uh, even during the pre-independence period uh, with respect to the agriculture is concerned. As you are aware, you know, most of the uh, commercial crops uh, which the colonial ruler uh, had immense interest uh, like coffee mm -hmm. uh, yeah uh, you take the case of silk uh, you take the case of spices you take the case of sandalwood so all these uh, you know uh, uh, have been uh, their origin from the state like Karnataka obviously uh, yeah looking into the, uh, the uh, diverse agroecological conditions of the state uh, the colonial rulers have promoted uh, certain crops, uh, obviously, uh, uh, for their own interest. Uh, the Britishers have uh, uh, supported the coffee along with, they introduced, in fact, you know, uh, in the northern Karnataka, long staple American cotton for uh, their own purpose to see that they get the raw material. In fact, the Portuguese, the threat must go to the Portuguese to introduce uh, crop like maize, tobacco, potato, uh, uh, and other crops. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, above all, you know, the unique uh, Western guard system, you know, has uh, uh, its own, uh, its own uh, uh, uniqueness to see that, you know, uh, the diversified cropping systems uh, could emanate from uh, the Western guard system. Uh, they are connected to the traditional paddy varieties. All these varieties have been promoted in the uh, pre-independence uh, pre era. Then obviously, what is the state of the farmers, uh, they mixed response, as you know, they are under different forms of the tenancy systems. So you have the right body systems in the uh, old Mysore region, you have the Jamindari systems, you have the uh, right, uh, you have the Jagirdari systems. So these systems, though uh, fundamentally they are uh, defective tenutial systems, they exploitative in nature. The nature of the exploitation differs from uh, the type of the tenancy uh, that prevail at that point of time. Anyhow, uh, credit also must go to the ruler at that time, you know, 
I think the two rulers must find a place during the pre-independence era who could do uh, something to the cause of the farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tipu was the first to see that, you know, uh, he could develop the tank system, he could develop the, uh, he, of course, he promoted the, especially in the old Mysore region, an excellent cropping uh, system. Uh, silk should, you know, promotion of silk, you know, should go to Tipu Sultan. And the Nalwadi Kishnadaji Wadi, you know, uh, in fact, he took care of scientific agriculture. Uh, I think under his period, uh, a, a, a technical laboratory was established uh, and uh, with the help of the British rulers, you know, uh, the State Department of Agriculture was established during the pre-independence era. Uh, agriculture College, you know, established during that period. Leslie Coleman, renowned entomologist, uh, uh, you know, was very keen to see that, you know, uh, the State Department of Agriculture and the agriculture sector is developed in, uh, in Karnataka. Uh, as a nutshell, I can see that you know, a historian, Bukhanin, you know, had made an elaborate observation of uh, the prevailing Australian system at the point of time. He has given credit to all these people who promoted uh, the agriculture here, and especially the irrigation system in the first to develop, I think, in the South India. Uh, I think the Karnataka is, uh, is, is, is a leading state in promoting the tank irrigation. Still, you know, tank irrigations are very much uh, present in the state of Karnataka, especially in the southern India. So I think, I think natural agriculture was not that uh, backward. Uh, I think in the limit of modesty was there. The question was the agrarian relationship, you know, uh, defective tenure system. Farmers didn't have the uh, an element of assured uh, uh, ownership, you know. That's obvious anyway, not only in India, any colonial rule. So I think Karnataka made a mark even during the pre-independence era. Then after that one, I think the Karnataka uh, lagged much behind in making use of the advantage of the green revolution technology uh, compared to not only state like Punjab and Haryana, even in the comparable uh, states also they have made a, uh, much progress compared to the state of Karnataka uh, development of the irrigation. Though we have the several sources of uh, um, the major irrigation systems, you know, uh, many rivers have been flowing here. We are uh, still we are lacking behind in development of the irrigation system. Our tank systems are not properly utilized. Uh, our uh, utilization of the green revolution technology. You take any comparison, how much you know in terms of the use of electricity, uh, use of fertilizer, uh, use of the modern seeds. Though Karnataka could. Uh, have the all advantages uh, to see that you know it is going to be a, a, a concern. The Karnataka is lagging behind the comparable neighboring states, comparing with these very well developed states like Punjab and Haryana. So we could not develop the irrigation systems. We could not bring uh, the whole area under the irrigation, which are potentially possible to bring under irrigation, the use of the fertilizer, use of seed, use of electricity. In all these cases, you know, uh, I think, I have a statistic where I can say, what is the use of electricity, what is the use of the, the, uh, you know, the seed. So, uh, as a result, you know, uh, Karnataka, uh, till it is, you know, term does, uh, in terms of productivity, there's a declining or a stagnation in the productivity. There's a report, but it, 
cannot uh, uh, government to see that to you know uh, why the, the stagnation in the productivity what should be done uh, and as a result you know i think we are much lagging behind even today uh, in making better use of the uh, modern green revolution technologies but the remarkable thing about the karnataka after the MP, uh, independence is to see that you know we are pioneer in introducing the far reaching reforms take the case of the land reforms karnataka the first introduced the progressive land reforms in 19 uh, 70 1961 to 73 period you know we have introduced the progressive reservation all these are supposed to provide much needed uh, social justice in the equitable uh, society in and it is a prerequisite for a, a, a sustainable development we are the first to introduce uh, it biotechnology information technology to agriculture we had introduced we had presented a separate uh, agriculture budget uh, we are first to introduce much earlier than all india level uh, an agriculture policy could find a shape you know we are first to uh, introduce a separate policy for karnataka agriculture so what i can say that i think i can summarize like this you know uh, karnataka state is progressive in socio political reforms i can put it under the socio political reforms land reforms to all of the reforms and introducing the policies and programs lagging behind the economic progress i think you can uh, you can you can you can think of how a farmers movement you know as a response to this mismatch Uh, as a mismatch, you know, you could see a progressive farmers' reforms also have emerged of late. You know, though it has got a long history of the uh, farmers' movement, uh, starting from the Dilikar Desai, that farmers' movement uh, during the pre-independence era, uh, and the Kagudu Satyagraha after the uh, independence around uh, I think 1961, and uh, the birth of during the 1980s, you know, after 80s. um yeah, and present you can see the several uh, movements you know several factions of the carers are on street so all this speaks uh, i think the volume about uh, the in a unique a peculiar form of the crisis uh, karnataka agriculture faces is facing today compared to the uh, the agriculture systems in the uh, other part of india sir now coming back to the 80s point like what led to the formation of the karnataka raita sangha sir and professor mdn's contribution during this movement and how successful were they and what led to the movement slowing down and you know almost ceasing to an extent yeah as i said you know i have made my point clear we are uh, lagging in Uh, making the better use of the green revolution technologies as a result you know, we could see the crisis as early as 80 uh, productivity has declined so obviously uh, farmers have to uh, demand from the state from the government to see that you know give little more concession in terms of the free electricity in terms of the uh, subsidy in terms of uh, uh, support prices Uh, i think uh, some of the restriction to should be removed at the uh, uh, very well developed irrigation uh, irrigated areas you know, uh, especially for sugarcane belt from uh, shumaga region and uh, during 80s uh, i think during the congress period you know 
press upon little more hard on the government to see that you know, uh, a charter of demand, all this demand are uh, typically aimed at to uh, consolidate the gain or uh, take further uh, the green revolution benefit to forward and make agriculture a little more profitable. So government response was not very constructive. There was a firing and I think two or five people died. Uh, starting, it started, all started from the Naragund and Navalung in the Naragund uh, and Navalugunda uh, from Naragund Karnataka. In response to government hard handling of the situation, the farmers have suffered a lot during the Congress. Let me now. The Karnataka and Jait Singh uh, came into the, under the leadership of MD Nanjul Sami uh, and uh, MD Sundaresh, it is uh, uh, These would give a shape to a most progressive farmers movement in Karnataka, or else in India. Karnataka It was very prominent in the beginning in terms of, as I said, you know, consolidating the deficits consolidating the basis of the Green Revolution, uh, providing the uh, subsidy, uh, con- providing the concession to the uh, farming uh, in terms of the electricity, loan behavior, and abolition of the betterment levy, so on and so forth. I think very powerful. Uh, and 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 uh, it has also made a mark not only in the elsewhere in the world. Mm. came the 1990s, you know, when the globalization wave was very strong and farmers could perceive a threat to farmers uh, in terms of the globalization, especially when business house started under the banner of world organization, the farmers rightly felt, you know, there may be a serious uh, threat to the uh, food sovereignty, food security, and very uh, existence of the uh, peasant farming, a small farming in a country like India. All these things could find a proper response under the able leadership of President Sami, who had a, a social democratic ideological background, who could bring together, who could give the voice, who could give the pride to the farmers of the Karnataka. So, uh, 80s and 80s, you know, after the formation of the Karnataka uh, during uh, in the beginning of the 80s, until 90s it was on peak, so they could make a mark, they could press upon the government, they could press for the, the, the demand, they could lobby for several things, you know, uh, and also ably could make their mark uh, uh, as one of the uh, progressive present organizations stood strongly against the uh, neoliberal policies, trade liberalization, uh, and obviously uh, the Karnataka Rajya Sangha was at peak. Karnataka Rajya Sangha under able leadership of Professor M. D. Nanjil Swami was at peak uh, during the 90s. They could not only raise the voice of the farmers for the betterment of their farming system and make agriculture viable and see that they could get the benefit fighting uh, against the, uh, the government, both states and the government. And also they can make a mark against their voice 
the the mark their voice against the the new global policies against WTO against um, trade liberalisation uh, internationally. But after 90s, they cannot quite face the king. Price decline. Uh, yeah, probably uh, the farmers' interest, you know, uh, could not be addressed as effectively uh, as they could do uh, earlier. Yeah, their focus was much more on the fight against what they don't want, rather than asking really what they want. They they marked their protest against WTO, Monsanto, Cargill. They could mark their protest against uh, genetically engineering, biotechnology, but they could not get it done what actually they require. Uh, so making uh, in the meantime, you know, uh, uh, Indian agriculture was facing the severe crisis in terms of the decline productivity, increase in cost of production. Agriculture become more and more unremunerative. So I think uh, the the, the farmers agriculture didn't have anything to uh, to do that one. You know, state two was uh, quite helpless at that point of time to address comprehensively. So uh, then once the Nathan Nandini Swami. After demise of President Swami, you could see uh, farmers are left with only their green shawl and the Kanak Raj Rajasanga had put into the several factions. Though their cadres uh, are very much, you know, active throughout the uh, state, you know, uh, a, a coherent leadership uh, and uh, with the clear cut. Uh, uh, issues to see that you know they can take forward is very much lacking, uh, and not only uh, in a state like Karnataka, but elsewhere. You know, if you take into the history of the farmers' movement in India, at one point of time the the, the farmers' movement was was at its peak. Uh, there are different prominent leaders: Sharad Joshi in Maharashtra, Mahendra Singh Sikayat in Uttar Pradesh. You know. So at one point of time we have seen the the, the farmers not only in Karnataka, elsewhere in India also could make a mark. It fizzled out uh, slowly. And now, you know, at least they could make their voice, though it's a fractional one, you know. I think they could see that there is a hope for the farmers to at least take their voice when the uh, severe crisis after the crisis, you know, uh, could fall upon the uh, agrarian systems in a state like Karnataka. So you mentioned about three terms uh, in the previous answer. Can you explain to our audience what each of them means, uh, like food sovereignty and sustainability goals and also the green shawl, the significance of green shawl? Can you let us know, sir? Okay. Uh, let me start from the green shawl. You know, it has got its own origin. Uh, as I said, you know, uh, Nandan Sami, for that matter, Karnataka Rajya Rai Sangh has given pride identity to the present moment, for the moment in Karnataka. Uh, I think it is uh, much earlier than the formation of Karnataka Great Swing. Uh, a powerful farmers movement led by Narayan Swami Naidu in Tamil Nadu, you know, they had given the symbol, the green shawl, the green cover is a symbol. It, 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 it symbolizes the progress. So greenery is something, you know, which, you know, uh, the nature for the agriculture, uh, agriculture prosperity uh, um, could be expressed to the shawl and the color. It's a Narayan Swami Naidu of the uh, Tamil Nadu farmers' movement has given uh, this identity to the farmers not only in Karnataka elsewhere. 
So I think they are clearly, they have the identity, they have the ideology, they have the symbol, they have an element of unity, one voiceless through this green shot. Still they are keeping very closely to their heart. I think it's an identity. Uh, I think, uh, followed by green shot, you know, a credit must go to Karnataka as the right friend to change the narratives of the targets movement. They have asked not only sustainability, they could introduce probably, uh, I think, give the very elaborate meaning to their demand. We are for the food sovereignty, not only food security. Food security is produce what you want, a sufficient quantity of the food grade. But food sovereignty, to have the control on the resources you use for production. It, it also uh, contains the seed sovereignty. I think you know, at the time, and even till today, there is a threat to see that, you know, our genetic resources have been looted uh, by the others you know, in the name of the uh, biotechnology. So to protect our traditional seed systems, we should have our seed in our own hand. Uh, okay, there is a seed sovereignty and followed by the food sovereignty. We could decide what type of the food systems we should have. We should decide what type of the, who should control the resources. Maybe land resource, maybe water resource, maybe genetic resources. It should be under the control of the farmers. It should be under the control of the community. So food sovereignty is a much more elaborate, uh, I think that of, of course, uh, includes the food security also. Uh, then, you know, uh, the credit also must go to the Karnataka and at least raise the voice uh, for what is called as a sustainable agriculture development, though they could not take it forward. So under their um, theoretizing the, uh, their anti-WTO, uh, anti-globalization strand, they could see that the Western capitalist world, you know, uh, not only try to capture the market of the third world, but also introduce their outdated environmentally disastrous technology for their own sake. Take the case of the biotechnology. They are against the biotechnology on the ground that it contaminates our genetic systems. It spoils our food systems. So, uh, their sustainable agriculture, you know, what they have, the narrative they have given, not only uh, uh, contains the technological dimension, but also political dimensions of the sustainable development is very important. The multinational corporates are here to introduce disastrous technologies, roundup chemicals. They are against the Monsanto because the Monsanto introduced the roundup chemicals, roundup uh, herbicide, you know. Uh, so, uh, so there is a Monsanto, a political battle against Monsanto, and Against Monsanto, it's a technological battle to see that, you know, uh, such a technologies, you know, uh, which are uh, very, very detrimental to the ecological systems, biodiversity of a, uh, of a third world country like India. So the, their sustainability is much more stronger uh, than one, you know, on academic circle, we think of sustainable agriculture, organic farming, which, which only speaks of the technological component of the sustainable agriculture, not the political dimension. Uh, so here, the Karnataka Rajasthan Sangha was very clear, both uh, technological dimension and the political dimension put together, uh, you know, uh, they, they, they destroy our ecosystems and food security, both. So that's how they could 
conceptualize the sustainable agriculture they could conceptualize the food sovereignty uh, they could conceptualize the seed sovereignty uh, and uh, they are precise uh, precise uh, resistance to cargill resistance to kentucky chicken they are against the introduction of uh, the food uh, systems the food items of the western world in you know, the kentucky chicken so that's how they could make a mark in uh establishing such system but uh, i think they could have, they could the kanar project could not give as much importance uh, to uh, um, take forward you know what they have introduced uh, in terms of the food sovereignty in terms of the uh, uh, sustainable development uh, when compared to the action against all these uh the the global uh the impact on agriculture now sir coming to the current landscape right uh in the state in karnataka why is that farmers from punjab have been at the forefront of protest against the new farm laws rather than farmers from karnataka what what is the reason do you think sir i i, I don't agree with you farmers of karnataka have started much earlier you know i think actually as september Uh, you know it still you know the karnataka farmers are on street against the two uh, the amendments brought to one to uh, land reforms and also to the apmc act so afterwards you could see the punjab you know coming in response to three uh, the new acts of the government of india uh, one is on apmc uh, bypassing the apmc uh, which are under which are under the control of the state governments and also being bringing the far reaching changes to contract farming systems contracts are may act which which are also under the purview of the state government earlier and also essential commodity act uh, yeah uh, yeah karnataka and other sectors are also on forefront but when these three acts were introduced Punjab is a state which could get the maximum benefit of not only the in the reaping, getting the access to modern uh, green production technologies like irrigation, electricity, hybrid seed, pesticide, uh, and also they could have the maximum benefit of the administered pricing systems, a procurement policies, MSP. Uh, I think MSP is nothing but uh, a day MSP is declared to 23 to 25 crops. Uh, two crops are having the maximum advantage of the minimum support price because these two crops are procure paddy and wheat most of this uh, paddy and wheat procurement comes from the punjab haryana uttar pradesh to, to some extent state like uh, andhra pradesh so uh, when the government of india uh, intervened on the uh, issues which are uh, predominantly under the control of the state then the agriculture marketing was under the control of the state farmer had an easy access to the state government rather than the central government if anything happens you know if the procurement is delayed they can uh, put pressure on the state government to get the things done there is a precisely that reason you know uh, the agriculture and the marketing were under are under the uh, under the under the under the uh, control of the state you know rather than the central government when the center intervened the center Right, uh, virtually took away the right of the state government. If you just study the uh, three acts, you know, virtually uh, the state government has been sidelined. Ultimately, it is the center to decide on everything. So farmers obviously had an appearance. What would happen? We don't know. Uh, no, if you could study carefully uh, after the independence, the center had 
the control on import and export policy because the state could not uh, export directly the state could not import anything directly it was it is a trade that the, the, the trade is under the control of the state government msps are so to the extent possible dictation is under the control of the, uh, central government mm-hmm. so farmers were under the impression that the trade might have given the more uh, focus at the cost of the msp both are under the control of the central government to put it in the nutshell you know mm-hmm. she could watch carefully the recent move of the central government is to liberalize more and more uh, to see that you know more import comes to india for example the centers uh, an attempt to uh, put an agree put getting uh, to the uh, regional agreement rcep mm-hmm. and uh, you know regional uh, cooperation with the countries like china Uh, is perceived as a threat to our food security food systems you know uh, the farmers felt farmers up in the arm against uh, centers attempt to it is not a true word in any time the government of india uh, affix signature and be part of there's a huge pressure and also government is very eager to see that it is a part of the regional agreement that alone uh, being a part of the uh, multinational agreement like uh, wto and also an attempt to have a bilateral agreement with a country like uh, america country like um, uh, south asian countries or uh, the oil palm so all these agreement precisely uh, i think aimed at more of import rather than the export so i think obviously uh, the, the farmers felt that there would not be any msp there, there is no mention about the msp there is no mention about strengthening of the procurement rather government emphasis more because that these acts are facilitating the trade Trade means more import. That's what the perception of the uh, farmers' movement. More import, more procurement, more response of the MSP, especially for farmers, you know, which have uh, enjoyed maximum benefit of the MSP and procurement, are obviously felt, you know, uh, there there is uh, going to be threat in the days ahead. So as a result, you know, Punjab and Haryana farmers are in the uh, forefront in taking in opposing these threats. and all other states also have joined in the tamil nadu has come forward and karnataka has made uh, the farmers organization have staged a massive demonstration just a couple of days back uh, i think the farmers uh, are uh, have the huge apprehension the huge doubt uh, i think farmers are enormously uh, unhappy and angry throughout india but the extent to which you know their unhappiness and angry uh, getting expression is very intense among the farmers uh, of uh, punjab haryana and uttar pradesh so before we end uh, my final question to you would be like it's not a question per se but any message to our audience who are listening to this podcast sir? i presume the most of the audience would be uh, the urban uh, the middle class definitely farmers may not have uh, the access to in uh, modern communication uh, method uh, and also english uh, my message is very 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 straight forward let us not play with the much painfully proclaimed food security we don't have problem of any commodities during the days of the covid all other sectors have collapsed you know mm-hmm. agriculture is a one sector it could mark 3.2% growth of the agri- uh, gdp uh, during the 
COVID period, there was the abundant supply of the food grades. 